0: Hey, this is the moment. I'm Brian koppelman Thanks for listening. I am uh actually sitting here with my guest, the great writer John Acuff. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Brian. Dude, I'm really I'm really excited about this. So I'm not gonna do the introduction beforehand and I'm not gonna ramble. Um other than to say to the listeners, uh thanks for the continued support. It's great when I go to iTunes and see that people have written reviews. And uh, when I get emails at the moment, bk at uh, gmail.com, I read every one of them. I respond to every one, even if it takes me uh, longer than I wish it would to respond. I, I promise that I, I will, and I do respond, and I really appreciate the letters. Uh, John, you must get a lot of letters.
1: I get some letters. I don't get any screenplays, though.
0: Well, yeah. I, I, well, <laughs> this has been effective. My audience for this show, the listeners to this show are sensitive people, and they know... Uh, that it would do neither uh, neither them nor me. See, I'm a any listener. Good. Like I know, like I know the intro. You I could do it. it. You could yeah, do it totally. for me. Like
1: don't send me any don't send me screenplays. Don't send me TV ideas. Don't send me any movies. Um, I'm gonna throw those away. But everything else,
0: I'll read. Everything else, and uh, and it's great, and I love reading them. Um, let me ask you this question. You know, you're. A, you're a writer who's lumped into the self help category huh, and so when I'm uh saying you know sort of glibly you must get these letters you know you're still like a young person you know mm-hmm. you're not Tony Robbins or Seth Godin or one of these people who's been doing this for thirty years sure and uh, we'll go back and, and bring everybody up to speed on, on who I've you been are. riding
1: a bike for thirty years.
0: That's about the only <laughs> yeah. thing I have. And thirty years of experience of and and make it maybe thirty three. I was pretty advanced. But um, what I, what I want to say is so when, when you get letters from people and when, when people tell you that uh, you know ask you these so sort of deep questions about their their lives. How do you um, like how, how do you feel or how do you have the confidence? to really answer them with a, a sense of authority?
1: Well, I think it depends on the question. There's a there's a limitless amount of things I can't answer, you know? But when it comes to work and career, I've worked for 16 years, I've made a lot of mistakes, I've, I've learned some things. And so when it's in that space, I feel okay having that conversation. Um, when it's in, you know, I've been married for 14 years. That's not 40 years, but that's not four months. Um, And so I feel like there's some space where I can talk about that. A reporter the other day asked me, she said, you're going to get this question. Who are you to tell anybody anything? And I was like, amen, amen. Um, There's areas that I feel like I can have a conversation about, but I don't like the self-help space because so many people do one thing well for an hour and then they're an expert at it. And then they sell a $500 PDF online and say, if you do these four steps, your life will be magic tomorrow. And and I just don't think, I don't think that's helpful. So I'd really try to approach it from um, I'm accessible. Um, I'm in the trenches too. So, you know, when I write a book, when I when I think it's something I really believe in, it's from a place of these are the things I'm working on right now and here's what I'm learning and, and maybe it'll help you too, but apply it to your life through your filter.
0: Well, yeah, I've had this really interesting relationship um, to your work and, and to you uh, because one thing that I've that I've noticed, uh, the first book of yours that I came across was Quitter, mm-hmm. and you know I had um, I'd heard of you from uh, listening originally to Dave Ramsey show. He would talk about that book, and then um, I read about you and knew you came from this very religious background, or your early work was really uh, sort of heavily informed by religious beliefs and by uh, identifying with uh, that, you know, you had this website that was incredibly popular Mm -hmm. called Stuff Christians Like, and you wrote a book about that, right? Mm -hmm. And, which was a funny, really funny stuff, but very sort of outside of an area that I spent a lot of time in.
1: Yeah, so, like, insider Southern Baptist humor was not
0: hitting you? It was, you know. (laughs) know, Different types of hand-raising during worship songs was mm -hmm. not... No, like different types of hand-raising during a Metallica, "Kill 'Em All. Right, right, right. I, that, I'd be good there. Right, right. I know exactly what to do when and they're And I would not because that was devil music, but let's proceed. <laughs> yeah, when they're playing Seek and Destroy, <laughs> I know exactly when to raise my hand and right. bang my head. Um, and But slightly, yeah, slightly different from sort of what you're writing about. But when I read Quitter, um, which was a big hit, like a number one bestseller, right? Or close it, it, to it. Wall Street Journal. Um which is awesome. Hit the Wall Street Journal yep. chart at mm-hmm. close to number one. Or, I think like five or four. Yeah, And I realized that was a book that I, I wished that I'd had when I was trying to transition from being somebody, uh, you know, as an, who was working as an executive in music and, and transitioning to becoming a screenwriter. I did, through like making mistakes and a lot of hard work, I I, I ended up finding the approach that you recommend in that book, and but I... Uh, I loved it, and I remember that's how I reached out to you online, and you and mm-hmm. I started becoming uh, friends online. And and then when I read your next book, Start, uh, it was I felt, and I didn't really know you, but I felt like this guy's. Uh, I didn't feel as much of, of a genuine thing happening in in that book. And what I've come to realize is the thing that separates you from many people in your space is that um, you are still, have still made, all, you're young enough, you're still like making big mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And you're cataloging them and you're, you're diving deep, like sort of as it happens and reporting about it. And I've been fascinated because your new book, which is called Do Over, is incredible. I mean, um, one of the, 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 the most strikingly, not only is it a, a original, I think, but uh, incredibly true, useful look at uh, wherever you are in your life, figuring out how to reinvent yourself, but not in a glib way, not in an instant way, but how to utilize everything you've done up to this point to move Mm -hmm. forward. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: totally. Um, And I think part of what you're reacting to is it's that in the trenches thing. I like to break the fourth wall. Um, I like to talk about it as as it's happening. Um, The challenge for me is that When you become an author, when you become a speaker, when you become whatever, there's this gap that opens up between whoever's on stage and whoever's in the audience. And if you start to believe the gap as the speaker, as the author, it's over. You start to play the role of an author versus actually telling a true story. And so for me, constantly fighting for that true story, especially in do over, like especially like, well, yeah, but this is the thing to,
0: yes, especially in do over, you're absolutely doing that. You've done it on your blog from the moment you left your last thing. But what's interesting to me is quitter was this story of a very personal story of how you went from being an office, a Dilbert off, you know, yeah. a, a Dilbert kind of a character, an office-based kind of a character. Mm-hmm. Working at auto-trader. Like more handsome, I think, because it's a podcast. People can't see me. Not everything your mom told you was true.
1: <laughs> she said I'm amazing at riding a not,
0: bike at nine. <laughs> not every single thing she said. Is you actually, ignore those
1: other boys with their fast bikes. You're doing great.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> it's great, the confidence. And she loves you. Yeah, obviously it was uh, there for you the whole time. But, no, the... Th- that story, qu- Quitter, which was uh, took you from being this character who, um, yeah, was writing funny books on, in his spare time, trying to get published, figuring out how to do it, figuring out how to not be bitter, how to not be angry. But the journey in, in that book is to a guy who's landed his dream job. That's the whole credibility. The whole thing you're selling yeah. is through doing all these different things, I've, Here's what happened. I've landed where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we all know now is that you quickly knew that where you landed was the wrong fit for you not to demonize anybody the company you went Mm -hmm. to work for any of that but it didn't really work for you and uh, so i'm wondering a couple things like how how did it feel inside as you were going out on that the start tour when you knew gosh i'm i'm really not walking the walk for the first time in my life and and how did you go from that thing to hear where you clearly are, where you've turned it around. And, and I will say, some of those early blog posts after you left your job uh, and got free were you saying, boy, I was saying a lot of stuff that was wrong. I was yelling at you about how to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, like the idea for me, I just think back to sometimes, and, and this was nobody but me. Like, you're right. Like, it's not to demonize anything other than to go, wow, what I, I was telling people, hey, small business owner, just have your marketing team do it. And now I think that they're in the audience going, well, that's me too. Let me put that hat on, guy who thinks I have a PR team. Like, thanks for that relevant advice. You know, like, just have the West Wing of your business do it. And it's like, well, that's my wife. So thanks for you know. Yes. Um, But no, I guess for me, it just, it it became about, I feel like I really know how to fake it and really know how to read a room. Um, And so for the longest time, I've been this chameleon and I've had I've just whatever the background is, I, I turn into that. And so for this last eighteen months and for this book it was like I was in front of a white wall and that was really overwhelming and I got to figure out what does that look like to be a true the true writer I'm supposed to be. And that and that was where the division came was that I wanted to write books. I wanted to be an artist and and I had put that on the company I
0: worked at, not them to me. Like that was you, you know what do you mean? You mean you felt um You would start to get angry that you didn't have the freedom
1: well i would start to get i would start to um for me just kind of realizing all right i want to do different things like i'm i'm supposed to do different things um i don't want to run a huge company um that you know that's not the path i'm trying to get to i feel called to be a writer um my wife you know seth godin who you've had on the show which i think is you know i said i've tweeted this a million times the best podcast i heard last year. Um, was so kind and said something really kind on my on my book um, for Do Over. And my wife, when she saw it, said, "Are you ready to admit you're the writer Seth Godin thinks you are?" Right. And so that process of being a blocked writer, being a blocked artist, trying to live out of that. So when when somebody said, "Hey, you can sort of, kind of be a writer," like you know, do you do you want to do that? I was I loved that because it was less scary than really going. I'm a writer. I'm going to do this. But for me, eventually. And and again, it's not a criticism of where I worked. It's just I knew I wanted to be an artist and an author, and I was telling people to do brave things, and I wasn't doing
0: brave things. But that's what I want to know. What did that feel like? So what did that? That felt horrible. Yeah, that felt horrible. Um, Would you allow? Like, I guess we've all uh, obviously, like, um, you know, I've uh, had to promote a movie that I wasn't sure that I believed in. We've all had to, as professionals, put a good face on, but. The relationship that you have with your audience is kind of a sacred relationship because these people are investing so much in this idea that you're telling it like it is to them, and that mm-hmm. because you are an earnest, genuine person and have been, that's been, and you've in your books, you kind of um, talk about your own foibles and your own thing. I'm just wondering when you sort of started to get the feeling, gosh, um, it's sounding tinny to me even as I'm talking.
1: Well, the I don't know. I mean, there's one there's one idea that I see tweeted out a lot um, that I just look at. I'm like, oh, what do I? What am I doing? And it was, I think the line was something like, "Lucky is a word people who aren't hustling use to describe those who are," or so, something that would be printed on the side of a like diet rock star can, you know. And I was like, that is not even true. Like, if you spend any time in an art- artistic endeavor, opportunities come up that you don't get to go, I controlled that. Like, I, you know, that was me. And so I think for me, stuff like that where I knew, wait a second, that's, that's, not, that's not necessarily true. But it's easy to tweet. And so, like, for me, I started to play the role. And, again, it was a role I created. Like, and and that- you felt you had to feed into it. Yeah, me. Yeah, I felt like I like I had the feet cuz like part of it is the affirmation of it. The like. but I
0: mean I'm trying to figure out like what does it feel like when you're uh you know, you're you're driving into the parking lot. You know, you're you've made a speech 2 days before about go after your dream and you're dr- pulling into a parking lot of a place you know you don't want to be at. And like what did th- like what did that what did that feel like to you and then how did you start Allowing yourself to know, oh, gosh, I I did it. I have to actually now make this move.
1: I think the hard thing was, like, if it had been a terrible, terrible place, it would have not have been painful. Like, it was the hard thing is there's good things that happen there. And there's, like, that was what I had a hard time with was, like, I could see how somebody else could really love this, but I wasn't that somebody else. And so I had, like, that just got hard. And then I, I guess for me, I felt I got disconnected from my writing voice. And that's... And I'd been barely flirting with it with quitter. Like, and I, I barely discovered it and I sent it right back into hiding. And so, I don't know. I guess the hard part for me is I'm trying to figure out my voice in the moment yeah. and I'm gonna make mistakes with that, you know? And and to to like, I just, the, the company that hired me, I think, like, those poor guys, because I probably came in and said, hey, oh, you need me to be one, two, three, four, five? I'll be one, two, three, four, five. And then as I started to realize, wait a second, like, the the artist thing, like, third grade, I knew I wanted to be a writer. A, a teacher, Mrs. Harris at, at Doyon Elementary School, laminated a book of poetry, and I knew I wanted to be a writer. And so I started to think things like, if the third grade me wrote me a letter now and knew what I was doing, would they clap or would they cry? And I realized... You consciously had that yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah, I consciously had that thought, and I knew that the conversation would go like this. The third grader would go, hey, are we writing poetry? Like, are we living out of our heart? And I'd go... Ah, we got a huge platform, and they'd go <laughs> platform. Well, that that's not a word a third grader things about. It. Are we ready, You know, are we living yeah. big dreams? I go. Ah, you're popular. Like popular, you know. And so, that's that's where it was hard. Like I felt like a faker, and I felt like. But the the overwhelming thing to me was after that, and realizing that I could be a faker without a structure, without a building, without anywhere to go. That was what was crushing. What was crushing was. The fakeness came from my desire to please and my desire for affirmation sure. and approval and all these things that that weren't going to fix whatever brokenness I was dealing with. So that was what, like, it was easy in the moment to go the things I could do if this building would let me do them, and then I get out of the building. And and guess what? Do I wouldn't do them. That to me, that was what was. Well, yeah, that's like, the thing crushing. you talk about
0: the lie that people say if if only I had the weekend, but my family won't let me do the thing. Yeah or said- well, my boss like the times I blamed my boss over the 16 years
1: for the many things like they prev- they held back my awesomeness and now I don't have a boss and I've become my own worst boss like the other day my wife was like wow you're taking a lot of Advil and I said I got a ton of stress like my neck hurts I got a lot to do and she said then you have a terrible boss and guess what it's, it's you right. and so those have been kind of hard lessons out of
0: that season yeah, you know, when, when, uh, you don't need it, by the way, you don't need Advil for the neck. If you recognize its stress, you can just make it better. Yeah. You just breathe through it. I'll, I'll do that now. You got to read Sarno's Healing Back Pain. Do you know that book? Uh-uh. Uh,
1: it's, a, I've got a stack of books you've recommended, like the one, The Tightrope Walker Guy.
0: Oh, that's incredible. The yeah. Philippe Petit book. I also have
1: The Chess Master one. The oh, c- the Josh confus- Waits, yeah. Josh Waits game. I've got An like Art of Learning. That one. That's yeah. another really good book. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I'm in, like, I'm such a fan of this show. Oh, that's so nice, man. And, um, no I I love that and you've been we've been talking about it since the show started I knew I wanted to have you on because I do think you've actually you've you know you've lived out what uh, so many people struggle with you know this moment and it happened when 18 months ago when Mm -hmm. you were working at Dave Ramsey's company you were you had another number one book on Amazon or top ten book on Amazon Mm -hmm. number one I think
1: I never hit number one. It was like five on the New York Times list. So, number five in the New York Times. But nobody list. corrects people who say that. You just go, yes, I went to Stanford, not Samford, right. in Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> I'm glad Stanford? By the way,
0: yeah. that that might, be, for some people, probably just as good. Yeah.
1: Samford. I, I loved it. Samford was awesome for me. It's where I met my wife, it's where I learned how to write. Right. I mean,
0: it's not Stanford. I know. Don't fool yourself.
1: <laughs> so, you but, invite me into the compliment and then stab it don't back. Fool I see yourself. how this
0: is. But, um, but the uh no but i was going to say about this is that 18, 18 months ago you, you you go to ramsey's company and you write this book start and it becomes a hit book but you know that it's not your best work or it's not the fullest expression of who you are as a as a creative well, person well i'm not living out the
1: fullest person. expression of who i am you know like how could the how could anything i create and you know so no, I, I think for me, I don't know, it was just really challenging because it was the best opportunity I've ever had career-wise, you know?
0: In what ways?
1: Like, as far as, as far as, like, success goes,
0: as far as attention goes. Yeah, yeah, because you were um, able to access this giant, built-in, ready-made audience. Shared this huge platform. Like, share the giant That platform. he built for 20
1: years and then invited me. I went from speaking, like, 80 people to 8,000 almost overnight. Like, that was, a, that was a steep curve right. like in, in a
0: great way. And you could have kept doing it, but something in you felt like you weren't being your most authentic self. True. And so what, what was it like as you really – how did you make the decision with your wife that you needed to make a change, that slowly, you needed to shift
1: it? Slowly and painfully. I mean, so what many was your pro- What was your process? Um, well, we would kind of draw out um, – Things like okay it's it'll make it'll give me the biggest platform, but will it make me the best writer you know is if my if my true heart is to be a writer, is this the space I'll become the best writer in or would I become a better writer outside of the space allowed to pursue things that I feel called to pursue working with a publishing company that that's worked with writers for 200 years. And so we, like we had a, a big board, like I talk and do over about note cards. We used a ton of note cards to go, okay, here's the things that are really positive. So here's you, the things that, what do we lose? Like eventually with any decision, any moment um, that you come to, you stop thinking about what you'll uh, lose if you leave and what you'll lose if you stay. And that's, that's like this shift where you go, the more I stay here, I could lose this versus. People often go, I'm about to jump, think about all the stuff I'll lose.
0: Instead of what they can gain. Instead
1: of what they can gain. But also instead of by staying somewhere, you lose something too. You lose, you know, other conversations, other opportunities. And so we started to have those conversations. We started to get wise counsel from people. Um... You know I, I talk a lot about relationships
0: and do you do in the book about about making lists even of mentor type figures yeah. of friends who will be honest with you of accountability people
1: yeah so i, I talked to a ton of different people about this and what's, and you know my counselor i've got this amazing counselor al andrews who who worked through this with me i mean this was you know a long process and we thought through it and we tried to do the things that we felt like were the smartest things we could do to make the best decision Um, and also to do it in a way that didn't dishonor the opportunity I'd been given you know like that's there's no there's no good that comes of that bitterness you know and
0: so but it must have taken a minute for you to not I mean I know in 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 the sort of middle of deciding to leave I mean, one of the things we all do is uh, we do, at that moment, demonize the people around us because... Well, it's it's safer than admitting you're part of the problem. Yeah. You know? So suddenly that person who's actually, you know... Uh, and this is why I talk often about um, when you don't access the most creative part of yourself, when you don't allow it, when you're blocked. And I, it's uh, something I've said a bunch. I don't know if I've really broken it down. When I say you something inside you becomes toxic and then you become toxic to those you love because what happens is you start saying... Oh, if it weren't for my significant other, yeah, uh, and the demands on my time, I'd be painting. Yeah, you know, if it weren't for them, I would be able to. Rec- I would have my hip hop, my studio set up, and I'd be making you know, records better than Run the Jewels, and I would be and like. No, I did that,
1: and I and I I know there's people there that had a bad experience. No, no, you, know, you with didn't do it with your end.
0: significant other. You did it with the people at work. Yeah, were.
1: I know. I know. I did. You know, and that's I. That's one of. If I make a list of things I deeply regret, that's one of them.
0: But so here's what's. Uh, what I'm wondering is that you talk in Quitter. You actually talk about not being that person. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I mean, I, <laughs> no, don't, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, I'm just... no. It's more like what, what, what do you think was stopping you? Because we all, when you know, making the same, making a mistake a couple of times, but then being able to recognize it and recognize it enough to help all these other people with it. I guess when you realized you'd put yourself in the same box did you feel like a little bit uh, foolish? Yeah, not a little bit. I think you're, I mean, a lot
1: foolish. Um, and then, ha- yeah. A lot, you know, of like, of crying, um, a lot of, you know, sleepless nights, um, a lot of, you know, worry, a lot of, will anybody want to publish me after this experience? You know, a lot of what, you know, so... Uh, no, the
0: reason I'm drilling down on it is because I think your new book is, so, I think, you know, I feel like uh, the... The thing people say when they are skeptical of self-help people, right, is, well, someone figured something out. They repurpose it a bunch of times. They're not really living it, right? But then this thing happened to you. And what I think is so amazing is you were, you know, you fell into that trap of being one of those people. But you totally uh, pulled, you and your wife, like you pulled yourself out of it and kind of like reclaimed your authentic Yeah. And 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 I'm wondering how scary it was when you
1: even hearing these sentences, I'm like, did somebody do that? That sounds terrifying. Like, yeah, that's I mean, even just hearing that process sounds really, really scary. Um, And it, it was. And it's, you know, it's 18 months later. And so there's maturity and you. You know, you realize that you can own the things you need to own, and and go, okay, that was a mistake I made. Or as you realize you're a bad boss to you, it gives you empathy for the boss. You thought, oh, they, you know, they were holding me back. Like that's the stuff that you learn out of that. But in the moment, um, yeah, I remember, I, I it was just, it was brutal. My, my, my relationship with my audience had been, I'll tell you everything that's going on. Yes. Like, I'm, and then when I left, because. Just like when you leave, anybody leaves a job, you don't talk about the salary. Like you don't, and so I, out of respect for my family, out of respect for where I'd worked, um, and there wasn't any story, like I'm glad we're getting to talk about this, there wasn't like some moral failure or anything like that. But in the absence of story, people create their own story. And that was really hard to not step in and try to, you know, say,
0: hey, here's what, you know, here's. Well, yeah, neither you nor Dave spoke publicly badly about the other person ever.
1: And so that's what. For me it was hard to have this honest, open, transparent kind of conversation and then there was this pause to it. And the moment
0: I'm really interested in is is that that, you know, you leave and you talk in the book, do over about how quickly an opportunity came to you to someone came to you and offered you some kind of opportunity. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm just wondering what the process was once you left and then you're back and you're in your house. You know, you guys have moved from where your family Your family is to Tennessee. Yeah, we moved
1: from Atlanta to To Nashville for the opportunity.
0: To outside of Nashville, and you're there, Mm -hmm. and your kids are in school there. Yeah. And did you have to sort of make a decision to yourself about the kind of work you were about to go do? And what?
1: (laughs) No, I just, I focused on being depressed for like the first six months um, and gaining weight. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't put a thought together. Like after, I just couldn't. Um, Like, it felt like I was wearing roller skates on an ice skating rink. And I just, there was tons of movement, but I just couldn't get any traction. Was that
0: the first time in years that you didn't have like a forward? Compulsion? Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Totally. totally. And compulsion is an interesting word. Yeah, I said propulsion, but yes, yeah, compulsion. Yeah, yeah. You mean you've
0: always had a compulsion to keep going, yeah, keep being going, successful. Like, here's the
1: And and I had, I realized I had tied up a lot of my identity into my success. I was going to say, how and much so, of it was
0: about success? How much of it had become for you about, hey, I'm not just John Cuff writer, I'm John Acuff, best-selling writer, yeah, yeah, big yeah. speaker, yeah. big audience. I'm um, totally. speaking to the masses. Yeah.
1: No, a lot of it. And so, like, yeah, so the first six months were really hard trying to go, okay, what am I going to, you know, and my wife, she's so, you need to have her on the show. She she's was awesome. like, we were talking yeah. about it. And she said, I dragged a fat, depressed John Acuff to a two book deal with Penguin. Like we are talking about the conversation and she's not exaggerating. She was, you know, kind of like, come on. You mean like, to write gotta, the book
0: proposal. To
1: write the book proposal, to, to, to dream again, to try again. I think for me, you asked the question of like stepping into who the writer you're supposed to be. I'm still in that process because sure. the challenge is when you get a little successful, you get opportunities that are like one degree off the thing and they, they look great and so like, the other day I got an, an opportunity to go speak on like an island off of England and I was like, I should do that. And my wife was like, You already have these other three things you're supposed to do and so as a writer, I'm afraid of writing. Like I don't I don't know if that makes sense, but like all, it's the thing I care are, about the most. Yeah. And so like it's sacred to me and so it gets scary too sometimes. And so I'll fill my day and my week and my year with other things instead of writing if I'm not careful. So now it's a process of going I know who I can become, which is not a writer in a second. So, what do I do to fight for that? To, to so, to be you, reality?
0: being a speaker, engaging with your audience in those other ways is still um, not the—it's not the primary thing. Or you're not using the writing. In I'm a writer order to who speaks, that.
1: not a speaker who
0: writes. And that's important to you to continue to very do very important to me. And is it important to you to, that that this is this writing to you uh, like a? A personal exploration, um, or is it always in, in your mind? Like when you said you always wanted to be a writer, but you know your first book was this very funny book. Yeah. But then you know between stuff Christians like, and then I know you wrote that one. You helped write that one like compendium yeah. book, but uh-huh. then you wrote Quitter. I'm wondering what even stepping into those shoes and really just saying like I'm now going to be fully, sort of like writing. Uh, a work that's you know. Uh, Directing people to action.
1: Yeah, that was a shelf jump. Yeah, totally. Um, That was scary too. Um, And how old were you when you wrote that book? In in wisdom years, Brian, or um, I know, birth years. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Were you like thirty years old or thirty? I was probably thirty when I wrote Quitter, which was two thousand and ten. So that's
0: five years ago. So I was thirty four. Right. And that was the first time you were then really going to like put this stuff in in a certain kind of package to say like, I have certain answers.
1: Yeah. And I, I, have some ideas that I think would be helpful to you. Um, and it's funny. I think now, like the, I like the 39 year old me more than the 29 year old me. And I hope the 49 year old me thinks the same thing. So I felt like I did the best I could with the story I had. And then you add to that as you, go. a
0: lot of that book would, would be, you talk about these people you worked with at auto trader and other places. You wouldn't use their names, but yeah. you would say, don't be like this person. Sometimes it was you don't be like me, yeah. but I'm, um, I'm wondering what those, did you ever get feedback from like those people or from that? Do they know? Does that world of people sort of know where you, that you took that experience and have like used it for the next 10 years? I hope, I, I don't know. We've never, I mean, I've run into some of them that we're, I'm still friends with,
1: but I don't know. I, I think during the process of do over, I realized how often I create chaos. I'm one, yeah. And, and so for me that's where even reflecting on the last job, going, okay, where was that me creating chaos? And where was that me realizing that I needed to do something different? Like My wife said that. My wife said, you've never worked a job longer than three years. Why did you think you were gonna be at that one for 40? And so for me, I'm in this process of looking back going, okay, why do do I create chaos? Um, Or why have I in my career? And how do
0: I not do it going forward? Well, yeah, you know, you describe, because you describe yourself always over and over, which is interesting for someone who does the thing you do, which is to give. Uh, but you've described yourself as selfish a lot, as like, you know, even in making friends, you'll, you'll, uh, you said, like, Jenny, at one point, your wife said to you, like, you actually have to learn how to be a friend to yeah, make yeah. real friends. To, and that was just recently, like, yeah, yeah the last, that's
1: not old. For the last year. Yeah, that paint's still fresh on that one.
0: Yeah. Well, so what do you think? Uh, and what do you think that's ab- about? Because like, you know, it, it's it's kind of easy to say like, "Oh, I'd go into these situations, I only work a couple of years, I would it's clear you'd go into these jobs, you'd be charming, funny, you'd make everybody love you and then you would become disappointed with the environment and yeah. uh but you would you'd made yourself seem special and um totally uh, essential and then you'd disappoint everybody.
1: Yeah, then I'd become a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bad career plan. So that's not in your book as a recommended no, strategy. No, that's I mean not, not chapter two. I
0: mean not suggest that. <laughs> okay, good. Don't make
1: that your step six.
0: <laughs> what, what, uh, what, uh, but what do you think, that, like where do you think that's from? Like was that you're in, in school, like your personality is such that I imagine it's always been fairly easy for you to connect with people initially. Mm-hmm. But what do you think it is that's like the stop some of the go deeper stuff?
1: I don't know. I think i it's afraid I'll get hurt. Um, I've, I'm working on, sure. I'm starting to work on the next book. Um, And I'm working with this idea about why do I believe that more hope equals more hurt? That if I hope, if I, like, why do I live with half hope so that I can prevent whole hurt? And you, you don't get to do that. And it's a sucky way to live. And so I think that there is a part of me that even at my last job, as things got better and better, and I felt like I deserved them less and less, like, I do believe it was the right decision because I feel like the last 18 months, They've been hard and challenging, but they've been the best career months of my entire life. Right. Um, so I do believe it was the right decision. But that's, for me, owning some of that conversation of going, like, why do I crave affirmation, but the minute I get it, I shot block it? Right. Why do I crave some of these things, but as soon as I get it, I think I'm, I don't deserve that or I want to I you know, sink my own ship? So
0: how do you think you finally started recognizing this pattern in a way that, like, really landed for you?
1: Well, like the other day, I made a list of forty-two like secret
0: rules I lived my life by. Like I was just kind of sitting down thinking about. You mean the secret rules you weren't? I weren't aware of. Right, right. Uh, These uh, Tony Robbins calls them like limiting beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Like beliefs that you've got like an encyclopedia of beliefs about yourself that that put you in a certain box or the world, your views of the world, and now you're trying to discover what they are so you can um, now evaluate whether they're legit or
1: not. Yeah, and what they're and how they're damaging me. Um, and so you know, one of them would be, unless it's hard and miserable, it doesn't count. Yeah. And so then if, if something comes to me, uh, easily artistically, then oh, that doesn't count. It needs to be a grind. It needs to be terrible. Where did that come from? I talked to so many people. We talked about people that are locked up. Um, And I'll say, well, what do you really want to do? And I'll go, oh, man, if I could, you know, if I could work at this gardening store again. I know it's not a real job or it doesn't. And it's the thing I always come back to is they go, I just enjoy it too much for it to count. And so for me, Uh. I think that the challenge is I live on two poles. and like. One of them is the sergeant, and one of them is the slacker. And the sergeant is like, "You gotta do everything right away. You gotta be perfect. You gotta hustle. You did ten things. You could have done twelve, you know." Like, and then the 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 slacker's like. Uh, if it can't be perfect whatever don't worry about anything be aloof and my wife is like I wish you could spend time in the middle and I'm like I will four seconds a year like I right. pass through that middle
0: <laughs> quickly but, but, but you know because I mean we're joking about the magic thing but because I'm not a person of faith and you are I'm, I wonder uh, you know and I tweeted this thing the other day because um, you know after interestingly after Scott Walker said he didn't think uh, Obama was a Christian or he wasn't sure if he was a, mm-hmm. a Christian um Uh, Even a bunch of people on the left, um, you know, smart, uh, high IQ people, were like, uh, "You know that secretly he Obama people are in his own part." You know, secretly he has to be an atheist because it's a thing that like elite smart people think that uh, smart people can't have faith. But the thing I'm I'm always interested in is when you have this uh, these tough times how does that and you're, and you're talking about how you had doubt you were in, you know not sure how you were going to move forward you weren't sure if you were a good person anymore for a minute you know like how do sure. you how does your faith or the way you interact with your faith affect that for you for you like how do you, you how do you utilize that
1: yeah I, I think for me um the framework that i always come back to with faith is the prodigal son story You know, young son runs off, takes all his money, comes back home, has a party. Um, Father runs towards him. And there's an older brother who's out in the field slaving away and misses the party. Like, imagine if one of your kids was gone and presumed dead and came home, and the other one didn't even know that they had come home. Like, how detached are you from the Kobelman family right? if you don't, you know? Yes. And so that's the framework for me. So a lot of it has been you know, going, wow, I made some mistakes or I I didn't live, you know, the way I wanted to live and coming home and being willing to not duck under the hug and run back into the field and slave and hustle and ignore the party the father's trying to throw. Like that to me is the most dangerous story in the Bible because you have to, like, it forces you to go, what if God
0: was good? Like, what if he's good? And so for me, that's... So that's hope. That's tied to this idea of hope for you, accepting that. Accepting you mean. it. Accepting how can the you party. Be, that's the question. Like, yeah. how can you be somebody of that kind of faith and then also have a hard time with hope?
1: Or, or just or be miserable or think, God, like, if something good happens, wait for the other shoe to fall. But, like, so, for me, the, I, I, I always relate. I met Michael Jordan um, when I was in the seventh grade. I had, I had a Nike swoosh shaved in the
0: back of my head. Like, yeah. I was so into Michael Jordan. Uh, if you're going to say he's God, I'll agree. We can agree. And then, <laughs> then we're on the stage. Yeah, I don't even done. have to baptize him. I've seen you. what he can do in person, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and there's no question about it. I've watched it. No, so
1: I meet him. Seventh grade, I get his autograph on the back of my shirt. Um, and like four hours later, he's golfing with Dr. J, Dean Smith, like Greatest it was ever. Yeah. bonkers. So like four hours later, I wanna get his autograph on a piece of paper, I chase him down the parking lot, he's by himself. I'm like, excuse me, Mr. Jordan, can I have your autograph? He turns and he goes, didn't I already sign you kid? Right. And I felt two inches tall, like my hero, like the look he gave Patrick uh, Ewing after he did that corner dunk on him, when he came around John Starks, like yeah. one of his best dunks ever in Madison Square Garden. That's the look I felt like he gave me. And so sometimes I've treated God like that, where I go, I messed up this career thing. I've come home and he's like, Didn't I already forgive you? Right. Didn't I already throw you a party? And so I would say there was a counselor once that told me, like, wrestling with God is a sign of intimacy because you can't wrestle with somebody who's far away. And so in moments like this where, dude, I don't have the answer. Like, I don't, like, it's not easy and I'm not happy with who I am and all this. Like, I remember that idea of, like it's okay to so wrestle. So it's actually something
0: that brings you back in a way.
1: Brings me back to it. And then I don't have to be one of these fake Christians who goes like, no, it's just, you know, like if you pray one time, it's why, you know, why do you have struggles? Why are you wrestling? You know, and that's right. not So you're really. trying to actually,
0: like you're very comfortable with things being, it seems like, um, with messiness. Yeah, you know, I, I think stuff. you
1: have to be um, because life is messy. Your relationships are messy. Careers are messy. And, and so that's where... I really feel like I'm trying I'm I'm trying to step back into that. Like I had a period of messiness, I decided to clean up my life. Like in you know clean up my art. And then now I'm ste- stepping back out into the messiness and going Okay, what is it? What does it look like? Even quitter somebody asked me because quitter I was like you got to hustle on your job you know if you 've got a dream work in the morning before your day job, and this guy wrote me a letter or an email. We talked about letters, and I was like, I want to be a cattle rancher um, and i, I can 't get one head of cattle um, and put it in my apartment complex as I hustle on my corporate day job like that might be a jump into it kind of situation. I was like that that might be you know like my plan of it has to be exactly this way like
0: there's more messiness and so that's what I feel like I'm trying to well in do over you're definitely I mean you're still talking about the fact you know I think and I think that the thing the great gift of um, the you know the message in in quitter or part of the message in in quitter and I think it's incredibly useful like I said when when people ask me this question it's one of the reasons I recommend that book um, is that when you make that leap, if it's not because I got cattle and I have the farmland, if, it, uh, if it's to be a, a creative person or suddenly you're going to leave the law firm you work at and hang your own shingle somewhere else, and is that the pressure it puts on every decision you make is so huge, as opposed to if you find a way to slowly, to begin, keep doing your job, do, as you say in that, do your job as well as you possibly yeah. can. So that actually, that's the thing that's going to give you the fuel in various ways. That's why I wrote
1: in the morning; it launched me into the rest of the day. I was full of—I had written, and I was ready to go have a day job and not expect that job to let me write. But
0: that didn't happen at first for you, right? No, uh. Uh-uh. So let's do a little bit because, uh, unlike uh, you know, when I have some people on here, uh, maybe some of my audience isn't familiar isn't familiar with who you are. Yeah, and so. If you just—we do this bit of a biographical thing because I, I do think this path you went on, which was—where'd you, you grow up? I grew up in Massachusetts. So I lived in North Carolina till I was six and then moved to uh, Massachusetts. North Carolina long enough that Dean Smith
1: mattered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents both went to UNC. I got rejected. Um, my brother carried his rejection letter in his wallet for a long time. Um, Why? Why? Because he he just it was this thing like he felt like they you know we were supposed to go to UNC but we were out of state and out of state was
0: really difficult. Oh, because you were in Massachusetts by yeah. then, right? Mm-hmm. So you're in Massachusetts. Yep. You can't get into UNC. You know, since your poems were uh, laminated, that you're going to be a writer. Yeah, but I, I'm hiding from that. You, like I'm yeah, running right, 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 from that. Who do you talk to about it? Who knows? At that, my time.
1: parents know, and I think that like they know that you know I win a poetry contest like junior year of high school. Uh, I went to this private all boys school and I wrote this poem about masks like why we all fake Um, Wow you were thinking about that then Yeah so and because probably because I knew I was wearing one Um, What was the one you were wearing then you think? uh, It was just a lonely time it was I I didn't get to go to that school because I had done well in my public high school freshman year Like that wasn't a reward Um, And so I just was really lonely I didn't Everybody was friends with who was in their town, so it was like 30 towns would go there, so your crew was the 10 people from your town that all were going to this boys school and there was no
0: wait the boys school in your high school yeah
1: my high school and I just didn't have anybody really from my town so So you didn't have friends then I didn't really feel like I had friends like I I had friends at youth group but that was a completely different world that happened for an hour and
0: a half on a Sunday were you funny in high school
1: yeah I was hilarious at youth group I would crush youth group with my humor and I was outgoing and then I'd I'd kind of disappear in high school
0: why so really you couldn't you couldn't access the kind of like no. confident self that you were no way at youth group no and you were recognizing youth group as being spe- like they knew you were
1: special the teachers well and I, I was the pastor's kid so like right. right away we have our own theme song son of a preacher man I mean right, come sure. on dude who, yeah. who like there's no son of a plumber man and right. so yeah I had that kind of cachet and then at high and then I'd go disappear at high
0: school for five days boys school boys school tie sport coat right um, and were you were you writing... You were writing poetry privately yeah, when you were privately. moved to or yeah. all the time? When I was moved to. And then in college, I did too. Like,
1: I remember... What did you major in in college? Journalism. But I, I tried like one English class and it was
0: a little bit difficult and I was like, I'm out. That's what I was going to say because you love reading and writing and but you weren't an English major. You think you were... Would your parents have been cool about it if you said you wanted to be an English oh, major? Oh, yeah, totally. They were very
1: supportive. To this day, incredibly supportive. But I, it, was, it was just challenging. Everything had come easily to me. And so when I ran into the challenge, I was like, no. And freshman year, like, freshman year, I get a 2.4 um, first semester. Because high school, like, I come out of high school, there's girls at my college. Right. like And I loved college. and. And I got a 2-4, and I was going to lose my scholarships. I needed a 3-0. So they, they call me and, like, hey, you're going to lose your scholarship. So Christmas, I build this, like, robot version of me, of myself. Like, I remember going, I'm going to do the opposite of whatever I did first semester. Second semester, like, girls would come up to me and be like, I love you this semester. Like, you are such a jerk last semester. And I was like, that's a weird compliment. But because I was playing a role of, like, good college huh. student. I got a 4-0. So like I went from a two four to a four zero saved the day, and I was able to kind of hu- and I collapsed that summer like I collapsed or just exhausted of playing this like you know trying my white knuckling like what it means to be a good student and what it means to be you know a kind
0: friend and just I just felt exhausted from that. So you mean you um, completely f- you fabricated a way of acting yeah being yeah
1: to get to to make sure that i save the scholarship and kind of you know save the day and so i'm now like the next book i think i'm gonna explore that idea of not just my story because like but like the idea of when we play somebody else
0: and why do we do that but and you were rewarded for it heavily that's right? that's the challenge so what so yeah. So how long so you come home and you kinda of collapse and yeah. you just hung around your family or Yeah whatever. I have like
1: a normal summer, but I'm just I just feel like, oh my gosh, like I've been holding my breath for like four months to get this you know, I get the mail because that was a th- like it was printed on paper when I was in college. Right. It was two sided. And um and I just like collapse and it's exhausting. And so I think I would carry that thread through to like the chaos pattern of get a job, win them over Do your best. Try to be perfect. Like, realize you can't maintain it or, you know, blow it up to start again. And so just now starting to go. You know,
0: most people can't can't do it. Like, what do you think it is about you that enables you to be able to craft a persona? I don't think it's good. No. uh, Well, no, but it's useful for you. It was useful in a way and and then you had to synthesize because you picked up skills along the way.
1: Yeah, I think there's things that I think that um, I just, I'm a perfectionist. I can be at things that I think, you know, certain things.
0: So you knew that, you knew you were like, um, you you felt you had it in you to turn your thing around?
1: Yeah, and I knew there was this part of me that was like, my dad's a pastor. Like, maybe there's rich pastors now. Like, there weren't then. And so there was a part of me that was like, I'm gonna, like, college is at risk. You know, I need to I need to do this. And I'm sure there's some hero complex in there of like, let me see if I can do this. Bill Burr, who who I love, talks about like once you become good as a comedian, it becomes about how big a hole can you dig and
0: get yourself back out. Colin Quinn talks about it too, for sure. So
1: like, I feel like there's a part of me as an artist that was curious about that, not as a project, like it wasn't an art project, but I was just like, wow, I'm in a deep hole. Let's see if I can get out of
0: this. No, it wasn't a conscious thing, Mm -hmm. obviously, but Mm -hmm. it it was a... uh, but it was a subconsciously, obviously, you needed to do it. But so you, I, I guess I wonder how long the tail on that kind of thing is for you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how long that thrusts you into a, a pattern of, of behavior. And then, you know, obviously, you have a real marriage to your wife. I've met her. I see how the two mm-hmm. you are. It's clear in the way you depict what she says to you. And, uh, when you've heard her, the way she thinks and processes all that like stuff. It's it's it's, I, yeah, that's clear. So I'm just wondering, like, what when you like ran into her and you realized oh, okay, like, was it a process for you to, to show your authentic self, like to her, to your kids, to like the actual people you let in? I think she's, it's a constant process of her, like daring me to be that.
1: Um, it is now less, less so like, I didn't uh, know who I was when we first got married sure. any more than she did. Like you're 24, you, oh, you right. know, like, yeah. what do you know? Like I look back and go, Oh, the things I thought I knew at 24. Um, And so I think we, you know, it's been this process. We went to a lot of counseling. Um, I remember a counselor told us, um, he said, John and Jenny, you both have tremendous insight into John. And that was his way of saying, shut up, John, like you're filling the space. And so it's been a process, but I think she's, it, we have these conversations where i go i'm gonna be weird like I'm gonna be an artist I'm gonna do it and she's like do it already like, right come on i've yeah come on I've seen that in you forever you know it's it's amy clearing out the space in the basement for like, me yeah for it's sure it's basement cleared 100%. It's, i've seen that in you forever i know it's there it's time for you to admit it's there too
0: yeah for sure and and it was this you know a lot of the the same conversations I, I you know a difference was that i was comfortable failing in school i didn't Somehow, I did carry this uh this belief that I'd figure the thing out somehow, and I knew that I was like smart enough that i'd I'd figure out um a path that made yeah. sense for me, but then I still did have very dark moments when i couldn't uh, you know when I got to be twenty nine and i hadn't started mm-hmm. doing the thing, I definitely got to a place where I was absolutely in real pain um because uh, you know who I wished I I I was, and and who I was were so far apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'd finally had uh, you know started to have kids, and and knew that I I had to do that. And yes, my wife was her- heroically for for us for me uh, said like, well, let's go. You know, let's go. And similarly to the mm-hmm. way Jenny did, but um, but I had different because I'd had certain success as an executive when i was young maybe there was a different kind of safety net cuz i had parents who i knew really wouldn't let me go hungry i had a different mm-hmm.
1: but i but i felt like i had the same thing like i never like and jenny's parents same way like we have such supportive parents so it's not that i just think it's fear I don't know. I think part of it's, uh, is it Carol Dweck, is how you say her name? She wrote this book, Mindset, about how there's fixed mindset and growth mindset. I haven't read that book. Great book. And fixed is that you came to this planet with a set of talents and you have to protect them because if you fail at them, you don't have that talent and you can't grow. And where growth is like failure is part of it. I'm going to, and so I think in some ways I've had a fixed mindset.
0: Um, no I got very comfortable with failure and then like around that time when I decided to strike out and do this stuff since then I've been able to keep most really just keep taking risks that would force me to confront it as you know that's why I did stand up and you never know the way these things are going to end up benefiting you actually you know the year and a half I did stand up made me be able to go and do Seth Meyers and be able to walk out there and not stutter the whole time because not even knowing it I'd done the reps all those years before Um, so you leave co- but you so you get through college and then you become like this 40 student obviously the a cornerstone of who you are is somebody who can get up in a room make everybody laugh make everybody like you and, and everybody you know uh because of even when you write about yourself as doing things that aren't are maybe destructive to yourself or destructive in a work environment you're a very likable person so when did it, when did you start to realize okay I, I have a good personality I can I can make people laugh, and I can develop sort of a community of people around me.
1: Um, I think I realized that at work. Um, College... Not until work. No. I mean, college, like, I just... Whatever the group was into, I'd become that. So, like, I went through, like, a rave period where, like, I'm going to (laughs) raves. Like, dancing with glow sticks, you know, and wearing reflective clothing. Like, it was... And the girl I was dating was into that, so if she had been into like cowboy stuff. I would have been like, I love Lasso. Let's go to the rodeo. You know, let's let's yeah. get some fringe. You know, like that's the chameleon thing of not wanting to sit still and really do the heart work of like, well, who am I and why am
0: I? Did some part of you know that about yourself? Do you
1: think? I think if I was quiet enough, it would catch up to me. Like that's what Louis C.K. talks about where he says like that's the challenge of phones is that it never allows the yeah. loneliness to show up. And I think he's dead right in that. So you would be in perpetual motion. Yeah. So I I just kept running and kept running. and, And so I got a job in advertising because... I remember this guy's dad was like, hey, I was gonna be a like a newspaper dude, like I was in journalism, um, and he was like, yeah, they don't make any money, there's no jobs. And I was like, all right, well then let me try advertising. Like the one conversation with a random guy's father whose name I don't even remember. So I try advertising, I love advertising because it's ultimately about people's hearts and their heads. Um, I still think advertising, like if you wanna know where culture's going, reverse engineer an ad. Um, because they spent
0: millions of dollars on that headline, on that thought. It's one of the reasons Mad Men is my favorite yeah, show. Probably my second favorite show ever made is because, uh, I, you know, you don't really think about from ideation to completion how that stuff yeah. happens. And when you do, you, you realize just the sort of force of brain power that's uh, at work.
1: Yeah, it's powerful. And so I go into advertising and I, I take the safe route there, which is to do corporate stuff instead of some, like, going to do the big creative agency. Um, and I keep working, keep working, keep working. But then I start a blog. I start a blog in 2001. That's when I get the first itch of like, there's
0: got to be more to, to what I can do. And do people start responding to the to this stuff in a way that's different? No, or no not, they don't.
1: not in 2001. Um, and then I take like six years off. I start a different blog in 2007. And so you're not
0: writing for six years? No, like bits and pieces. I think it's really important. I can't believe that. Yeah. And you were with Jenny. Yeah, yeah. And did she know... Like, if you guys had to write a
1: letter to someone, you're writing the letter? I'm writing... The the only time I'm being creative all year is our Christmas card.
0: Oh, right. Like, I am crushing our Christmas card. No, I'm not even playing,
1: like, multiple choice and, like... I know people. a blocked artist. And, uh... And, like, if I'm sad one year, it's a sad card. Like, I look back on one, and it was quoting uh, the book of Joel from the Old Testament about, like, the years the locusts have taken. Like, come on. As a Christmas card? I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And so... The, and what So what was the thing, man, that made you go, like, I have to do this You now? know what it was? Like, it was two things. One, I had a really bad situation with a client. Um, I had this... Um, business that I tried to start just so hubris like oh I'll just start an ad agency how hard can that oh, be yeah. uh-huh. and so in order to save the account to at least pay back the money that we no longer had I had to write a brochure and I had to get up early um, and start and write it before my day job and it got me in this habit of like oh I can do stuff before work and I can write and it I felt like it called me out of that and then a guy I worked with this guy named Ryan Sweet and um, at Auto Trader was like, I think you should try blogging. Like, I think I think you'd like it. I I didn't even know what that word was. And so I started this blog. And this was the second time. Or the this first? is 2007. Yeah, and then 2008. There's this other site stuff white people like, and it kills me that we Christians don't use our best creativity to celebrate who we think is the creator of all creativity. So we take a popular secular idea like "got milk" and put some God sprinkle on it and go "got God" or like right. Adidas becomes. So you wanted Jesus.
0: to do you you wanted to do it in a way that would be funny I, and true.
1: I wanted to call out that problem, and so the first post was stuff Christians like ripping off popular culture. And I thought I'd write about it for a week. I had 50 URL like I was hiding ideas on GoDaddy.com. Like I'd register your url and I'd be like someday i'm gonna write this you know uh, and i'd hide yeah. this you know but so i registered in like day i do
0: the same thing with oreo cookies i hide them around yeah that's for, good for, for later yeah nice with Without messages in them
1: that's that'd be yeah. weird yeah so like day nine four thousand people show up to stuff christians like and it goes viral and i start having friends who i had not talked to in in years email it to me and go you got to check out what this guy's writing like they don't even know it's me and so then Did it have your name on the blog? Oh yeah, totally. Right, we, I didn't, mean didn't, people right, sure. don't read like a yeah. whole blog post. <laughs> Who has time for that? Two two words, John Acuff. I can't be yeah, reading all day. A lot of
0: letters. Yeah. And so you uh, you you start doing that. It starts taking off. You're still working at, at Auto Trader. I mean, this is where your this is where Quitter tells this yeah. tells this part of the story. Because um, as you realize, you actually have to find a way. I got to right. do it. I'm going to go crazy. And it crazy. took you years So, something about your books and about the new book um, is you're not and it is something that separates you in a way from many um people who are like uh inspirational sure. is you don't really talk about quick fixes that often. Yeah. It's a it's about a long process and uh how do people sort of react to that? Like when they read your books and they realize, oh, he's actually asking me to do a whole bunch of stuff.
1: The way here's how I believe about that. I believe two things. I believe you're capable more than you think, and I believe it's gonna take more work than you think. If I can get you to believe the first part, yes. like if I can really get you to believe the hope in the first part, then then we can talk about the second part. Um, I just I my personally, I have probably. 50 books about being a better you on my shelves that promised me something fast and it didn't happen and I, I went through that book and I felt like a bigger loser I felt more ashamed I felt like everybody else who owned this book had changed their life in an hour and a half and I was the guy like which I didn't I didn't figure it out in this hour and a half and so I try to invite people into the process because that's what's been true of my own life and that's why like I'm not done like some of these questions are uncomfortable because they're current um, no, and I mean,
0: I that's wish, the amazing wish- thing to me is that you've told this story. Like, I only know, you know, um, I mean, the Internet's a funny thing and we've met before and we've spoken. I But obviously, like, you know, you and I know one another because I've read all your books and you've listened to all my podcasts. Yeah. And so there's this kind of intimate knowledge. And we've exchanged emails and all that stuff and spent some time together. But uh, what's great about you is that you do put out there. Hey guys, if you you know, if you read this new book closely and you followed my blog, you know that there was a period between Quitter and now where I haven't exactly kept the promise mm-hmm. in the way that I should have. But it's a brave thing to you know, it's a brave thing to say it. You well, say that, it about yourself.
1: That and I I wanna say it in a healthy way, not in a I'll say it before you can. Like I think that's the like I'll beat you to the punch. Like I'll punch myself before you get a chance to. And so that's part of the figuring out process for me is
0: it, but yeah, it reads like I remember that and I I you know, people should go back and, and go to what is it, Johnacuff.me? What's your website? Uh, acuff.me. Acuff.me. dot me. A dot me because people have time to be typing J O N. Right, no, yeah. who gets Three more <laughs> three yeah. additional letters. But uh you know because that first series of posts when you were trying to find this newly honest voice and you were talking about your failures and you were talking about your your uh you know this the, the fact that you weren't living it it was really inspiring because it was like okay this guy is actually putting you know at risk this thing that he's built right mm. i mean you were putting it at risk cuz you were saying
1: but I felt like it was some of it was already at risk because the challenge is like people want to pick a side, you know. And yeah. so I had left, and so I, you know, I felt
0: like some of it already felt like it was at risk. I had, and, so what you said to yourself, I might lose all those people, but I'm going to start? Like had you basically said to yourself, I'm starting from zero right well, now. Well, like you jump with you, like yeah. that's what you, that's yeah. what you jump with. And so well, but no, your new book's about that. That's not so. This is great as a way to sort of like get towards the end of this. Is yeah. you jump with you. But your whole book Do Over is about the idea mm-hmm. that actually you're, you're jumping with you, but that comes with uh, you know a whole bunch of stuff.
1: Yeah, we'll just it,
0: quickly kind of talk about what what the overall I- idea is. Yeah, the overall idea is that
1: the challenge with careers that we were taught to work jobs, not build careers, and so we spend eighteen years getting ready for college, and then we graduate, and the next thing we get ready for is death and retirement. There's this forty year gap. And so it's about what I call a career savings account, which helps you with every kind of job transition. A career savings account is uh, relationship skills plus character times hustle. And you need all four because if you only have three, say you have amazing skills, amazing character, amazing hustle, and no relationships, you become Michael Jordan with the worst Hitler mustache in a Haynes commercial ever because no, none of your friends will go, dude, that's a horrible mustache. Or you become the emperor with no clothes. Like every leader I've ever known who falls surrounded themselves with people who could only tell them
0: yes and you don't have a relationship and what's so good about and and about the book and so practical is that you you break through these four kind of you, you walk through these four quadrants um uh, and and if somebody has even one of them uh, built up in a way that's that's useful it can help bridge them over as they're working on the other ones yeah and so
1: the 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 four moments are uh, career ceiling when you've kind of You're stuck, um, a career bump when you lose a job or go something through unexpected. I talked to a photographer this week. He was at a, um, a company working there. He got a job, CEO hired him, like fired the other woman, hired him, two months later CEO dies, and his wife, the widow, hires back the person who had been fired as his boss. And so you can't, like, he, he no, hit a it, bump moment. And right. then there's a jump, you know, where you try something new. And then there's an opportunity. So it's really, it, life is pretty simple. You know, it is messy. But, like, if you look at it, you can aggregate and go, wow, when I go through a bump, the thing I need most is relationships. Like, if you want to find out who your friends are, go through a negative, involuntary moment. And there's
0: plenty of autobiography in this book where you talk about how you utilize these things to re-sort of set where you are.
1: Yeah, and, it's and the, the last 18 months to go... You know, how was I able to do this? How How is it working? You know, how, how would I tell my own kids, like, hey, invest in these four things. Like, these are the things that you're going to need going forward. You know, companies get stuck just as easily as people. So I spoke to a group of orthodontists last week, and it was about – You don't get to just be an orthodontist anymore. You have to be good at marketing and running a business. And otherwise, you're going to get stuck, so you need to learn skills. So they pull that out of their career. You know, That's what's fun to me about about writing is it's about life. It's not just about one type of
0: person. And this new book that you're – so that's Do Over, which, um, like I told you, I read it, and I was so – I mean, I was so happy when I read it, and I was so relieved that I loved it, and I felt like it was authentic. (laughs) This is what I love about your podcast is it's so honest – well, yeah,
1: man, I'm not going to sit here. No, but Pretty there's long. a lot of podcasts where you come on and they go, "You have amazing pants." Like, "Tell people where you got those pants." And you're like, "Thanks for noticing
0: these well, pants. I got them at this you store." You know, my rule on the show and I uh is that um, very very early in the run I, I won't say uh, I never aired it but I, I interviewed one person and I, because someone asked me to as a favor mm-hmm. and so my rule is I'll never fake the funk on here I only do this so that I can talk to people whose work really inspires me or who I really like or who I have questions I need the answers to and I no. will not have somebody on otherwise it's no matter what and so I look at you and I, I you know from reading your stuff I saw this arc and so it's it it is um, you know you uh, know The fact that you were honest enough to take yourself to test, that when I said to you, dude, I was disappointed when I read Start because I could tell your heart wasn't in it and it wasn't like Quitter, and that when I read Do-Over, I saw that you'd returned. I mean, the fact that your response to that is like, thanks, you're glad that I noticed Mm -hmm. because it, it lets you know that when your heart's in it, it's clear to the reader.
1: I take what you say as a dare to stay in that place. That's well, you, you should cuz
0: that's No, you should because with this you're going to have great success now. You've put it back together. You have the best book deal you've ever had. You have this whole great situation, Publishers Weekly. Yeah. You uh, you've reached out to me listening to the podcast. You know, you've been a friend over this last yeah. year. And it's I can feel it. I know it's a guy going, "All right, I'm going to take the risk of being friends." Yeah. It's not easy. No. It's like, that's a risky thing to do. But you
1: miss so much if you won't take that risk. So like the risk, the spot I'm in right now is I am accepting and daring to believe that I'm a writer. And that, and what does that entail? That means I'll block off a month. Like, I'm not going to speak. Like, don't even send me the requests. Like, I'm going to block off these three months. And that means, like,
0: in- I just want to say, that means block off three months of, you know, that's real income you're saying you're real, not going to take. But real income and real not people clapping for you.
1: Like, that's mm-hmm. fun. Like, that's, you know. It's like, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And, like but going, okay, like I'm gonna really lean into this and I'm gonna believe this and I'm gonna sit still and if I spend four hours walking around a lake, you know, letting the ideas show up, that counts.
0: I say, and I said this one one of the vines I made early on and I think it's like such a, a true thing, which is like, um, and I say it about artists, writers, but really it's anybody who has a thing that they want to accomplish desperately that's hard to do you have to know how to say no. You must learn to say no to great things. Yeah, awesome, awesome no things. Say no to going out at night, yeah. right? Say no to taking that trip that someone could invite you on. Say no to, like, you know, all sorts of things that you have to say no to to give yourself the time and space and energy to do the thing you wanna do. And and the moment you say those no's, and it's so hard to, to know this, but uh, for me, though, it's releasing in yourself the capacity to be your best self. To get beyond the subconscious secret rules that are holding you down, you are giving yourself this this sort of secret encouragement to thrive somehow. Yeah, and and I just I was just saying we can here uh, uh, are we already done close? Oh my gosh! Oh, uh, we've gone over an hour. Uh, I would say that um, I feel like Adam Duritz has got like two hours. It felt like yeah. Adam Duritz made August and everything after, dude. <laughs> 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 you made one of the 20 so best was the last so you know,
1: 30 years. And that you were mad, like, and you had to kind of apologize at the end of that podcast. It was so great.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I felt, well, no, I just felt, I, I, yes, I was, I was so thrilled to get to talk to him. But I think that part of
1: it was, if I remember it correctly, there was some sort of, like, blocked artist you wished you had done that? Oh, no, no, no. Or... That's a
0: very specific thing was when I was in, at the end of being someone in the music business, I heard um, round here and mm. uh, as a demo. Yeah. And instead of feeling like, uh, getting carried away, I recognized how great it was. I knew yes. it was singular. I knew it was one of the greatest things. I, I knew it was one of uh, the dawn of a major, major recording artist and songwriter. And uh, instead of being filled with joy as it was the, my entire life up to that moment when I was doing something great, I was filled with rage that I wasn't the one who found That's horrible. that band. And uh, is that one of your moments? One of the big, yeah. One of the I've written about it. And I haven't. Like, I've written a lot about that moment um, for myself and journaled about yeah. it a lot because yeah, it was a a huge moment of knowing. Um, doing, I'm not living my best life. Yeah. It was so clear. If I heard some great piece of music, and instead of filling me with joy, it made me angry because I wasn't the one who was going to profit from it. Yeah, because because by the way, I profit from it enormously. As a music listener, yeah,
1: in the way. Well, that, it also uh, means that from that moment on, anything that's beautiful like that will elicit rage. That's so right. So the more good music you hear, the more rage. So the solution is don't listen to now, good music. Though,
0: yes, luckily for me, I, I I was able to realize it. I talked. I remember talking to Aim about it. And knowing like, okay, mm. I have to. I have to work my way out of this because this is hell, you know, and yeah. a version of it. So, See, I'm going to have a podcast just to ask you these questions. Well, you've gotten a little bit of interviewing in and I'll leave it. Uh, and and <laughs> people, I know, I'll leave it in. I, I said once early on in, in doing this show, I apologize if I talk too much sometimes. And I think on this one, uh, I did, John, because you asked questions and because uh, we are friends with like a conversation. But I do, I think it's a really valuable thing and I'm really glad you came and did this. Mm-hmm. And your book is super useful and I think people will get a lot out of it. Um, so thanks for coming here to New York. Yeah, thanks for, for having this. me. Acuff.me is the website. He blogs frequently, very honestly, and compellingly. Um, and the book is doover.me. doover.me, which will be out April 7th. What, the book's just called DoOver. Yeah. The website is doover.me. Mm-hmm. The book's coming out April 7th. Yep. Go get the book. Read the book. And uh, if you want to find me, I'm Brian Koppelman on Twitter. And... Um, TheMomentBK at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.
1: I'm Gretchen Rubin. On this week's episode of Happier, my sister Elizabeth and I discuss why you should sometimes treat yourself like you treat a toddler, how to work on a good habit when your partner isn't into it, and much more. You'll find Happier at iTunes.com slash Panoply or at Panoply.fm.